watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Bernard, touchdown. The Bills make me want to stop. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, the heard a 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing, on the ESPN app, seen, heard, and everything in between, on the mighty Q Sports Talk. Com. Hello, friends, watching on QSportsTalk.com. What'd you just say? They're watching you, Brent? Is that is that what's happening here on this uh, magical internet uh, website called QSportsTalk.com? Yes, we got lights and everything. You can watch a radio show. Yes, yes, you can in 2023. You can chat with us on this magical website. While you watch a radio show, you can get your own chat during radio commercial breaks. That's right. When the radio audience goes to commercial, we just keep the mic and the camera on. Keep talking to you at this place where you're watching a radio show. Yes, you can. QSportsTalk.com. Great place to hang with us. A great place to get exclusive access to Coach Beheim after his radio show tonight. 830 that chat takes place with Gomez so come on by. Got something you want to ask the coach? He'll answer it. You know, there's a lot of people uh, frustrated out there today. I don't know if you've gotten that sense in Orange Nation, uh, literally Orange Nation, the radio show heard 12 to 2 right here on ESPN Syracuse, but uh, in general of Orange Nation. Ask the coach. Get in the chat. 8.30. He'll answer it, too. That's coming up. You know what else is coming up? Two hours of... Well, we'll we'll see. I've got a few things planned here, but uh, I'm also uh, anticipating uh, the unexpected, if that makes any sense here. So 437-7644 is the phone number. You can always get in the chat, as mentioned, at QSportsTalk.com. Hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media. Speaking of which, you knew it was going to happen today. There are some days that the Phantom shows randomly, maybe unexpectedly. But the phantom of the zone has been spotted in downtown Syracuse. He's making his way toward the Galaxy Media Studios. I sense that a dramatic reading of your tweets could await. See, if you watch on QSportsTalk.com, you're like, oh, he's wearing the sweater. Does that mean 
there's a good chance of that, my friends. The phantom is near. I sense his presence. I always know when he's lurking. So that could be on the way a little bit later on. I want to look back on what I wrote about Syracuse-Pittsburgh two months ago. It's been a full two months in change since Syracuse played Pitt, one of the early ACC games, because I went back and looked at it, because I always do, just to get a sense of, okay, Syracuse played a team once, what was said then, what's the feel now, what's changed, what hasn't, what's progressed. And I think the answer is not much. Now, they've gotten better in a lot of ways, but they haven't in the key ways, as we are going to discuss here, so we will do that. Coming up, uh, go through your phone calls, your uh, frustrations with last night's game and just uh, the state of everything. Right now, as we go through the show, we'll uh, focus uh, on Syracuse basketball most of the way here, but uh, we'll see what other directions uh, we go in. We're guest-free today, so you are uh, free to be our guest throughout the show today. I want to start with a trivia question. Everybody likes trivia, right? This is thanks to uh, my friend and colleague, Chris Carlson, who dug up this uh, nugget. So let us uh, give him uh, props for that. When was the last time Syracuse lost back-to-back games by 18 or more points? Anybody want to take a stab at that one? Don't cheat now. Don't be cheating now. Don't be Googling that. Just just take a stab at it. When was the last time that Syracuse lost back-to-back games by 18 or more points? Because obviously that has been the case, losing to Duke and Clemson by big numbers, 91-73 last night, 77-55 the other night against Duke. Did you say the 1968-69 season, which also coincidentally lines up with the last time Syracuse has gone back-to-back years in missing the postseason entirely? And as I stated on the show yesterday, if it's the NIT or nothing, I'll take nothing. I don't buy this notion that it gives you Valuable postseason experience. No, that's where you don't want to go. The NIT, if any, the only experience you'll get in being in it is we don't want to be here. So I guess if that ingrains that feeling into you, maybe that's the valuable part of it. But, uh, yeah, I'll skip that. But that's where we're at here because, I mean, if you think the way that this team is playing right now here entering the end of a season, They have played 28 basketball games, and there are things that either have not progressed to the point that they need to or never there or are falling apart. And, that look, you can't get better truth serum than playing two teams at the top of the league. And I went into that game last night hearing all about how Clemson didn't have the NCAA tournament resume. People, I mean, we knew they're good at home, and we knew what the matchup was. And, look, I've been telling you for weeks – that this was a terrible matchup for Syracuse. So I guess surprise is not the word to be using here in this case. There's three games to go. Pitt, let me remind you, um, is good again. The Oakland Zoo is crazy again. And they're not going to forget what Jim Beheim said a couple weeks ago. Not only do I assume that, I know that. And talking to some people in Pittsburgh already, they're, they're ramping up for Saturday. Trust you me. Now, Jim Beheim doesn't play. It's an environment thing. It's something the players have to fight through. But it's going to be a factor in this game. The Oakland Zoo is going to be bonkers in this thing. And Syracuse hasn't exactly proven it can go on the road against good teams and shut those crowds up. They can prove me wrong on that Saturday. But to this point, why would you say they can do that? 
1969, that's the last time Syracuse has lost back-to-back games by 18 or more points. And to do that at the end of the season, obviously, is not a good sign. So what has taken focus here is the zone defense. It's not the only problem with this team by any stretch of the imagination. But it is the overwhelming thing that people look at and say, this is broken, this is not what it used to be, and what are you doing about it? Jim Beheim says that's our defense. Well, at times this year our defense has been pretty good. It's been okay. We've been uh, kind of up in the middle. But now the last two games uh, our defense was bad. And we just have to play better defense. It's as simple as that. It's Everybody is talking about changing, changing. We're a zone team. That's what we play. And if if it's not good enough, we got to get it better. You know, man-to-man teams, Virginia lost by 15 points at Boston College. Nobody asked Tony Bennett to play zone because that's their defense. They're a man team. And most teams shoot a little better from the three against man than they do against us. Most teams. Not every team, but most teams. All right, uh couple of differences there. I don't think uh, there is a groundswell out there that Tony Bennett's pack line defense has all of a sudden fallen apart. They only gave up 63 points last night. You gave up 91. Tony Bennett's teams have not allowed 14 different teams to hit 10 or more threes against them this year. I don't think you want to go down the road of that. I get what Jim's implying there, that you lose a game, nobody says, what are you doing? Well, that's because Virginia gets the benefit of the doubt because they're still a great defensive team. The pack line defense is still effective. If anything, it was more an offensive issue last night. Credit to Boston College here. Let's be let's be right up front with that. But you know, Virginia shot 32%, went 4 of 21 from three-point range last night. That's got to factor into that. So no one's asked Tony Bennett why he's playing zone defense because they don't have to. They understand this was an anomaly. This was an upset. This is things that can happen in college basketball. What is happening with the zone defense, this is a trend. This is something that goes beyond just last night. And to say that's our defense, that's what we play, at the beginning of this year, even Jim Beheim was saying, we can play some more man-to-man. And it was smart to think that and look at that because this is a young team. Zone defenses generally do better when there's a lot of experience. Now, there's a lot of things that make a zone work as well as it can, obviously, size at the top and proficiency. And we can go over this for days, as we've talked about for years in this town. But the zone is no longer the defense. The zone needs to be an option. I'm not saying scrap it all together. But what we are seeing here is the death of the zone defense as some sort of conundrum that opponents cannot solve. They routinely solve it. The zone defense at its best is used as a weapon in the NCAA tournament when it's a short turnaround, two games in three days. All that matters is the tournament. If you have that to your advantage, I completely understand why you've held on to that for so long. Well, you're not going to make the tournament again. So what strategic advantage do you have? by sticking with this defense full-time, 100% of the time, that's our defense, ride or die. You know, some people say, is it the players or is it the defense? I say it's the players being made to play this defense because it doesn't match. 
Have there been times this year where the zone has been successful? Of course. And you're talking to somebody here who has been a staunch defender of the zone. There might be a lot of you out there listening right now that are surprised I'm going this way. Well, I can be stubborn, but I'm not ignorant. I have two eyes, and I see what routinely happens these days. Not just to this team. In recent years, the zone defense is just that. It's just another defense. It's not a, oh, no, the zone Now, every coach you talk to, everybody that brings up Syracuse basketball in conversation, it's the first thing that comes up. It's a brand, right? So I'm not saying that Jim Boeheim has to scrap it for the pit game, right? I get that you're so far down the road now, you can't just completely change things. But the fact that they say they practice it every day, the man-to-man defense, and I'm not saying man-to-man is the magic elixir here. What I am telling you and what I'm seeing and what we're all seeing is, well, the zone's not the answer either. So how bad can it be in another defense? Like if that's your best option, that just shows you yet another example of the sad state we're in here with this thing, right? Because nothing adds up to, well, of course, this is why they still play this defense exclusively, right? So that's all I'm saying here is we now have to be in a world, and I understand that it's three games to go in the regular season, but we now have to be in a world going forward where this can't just be your defense. That You have to be quicker to adapt and try something else, whether that's in one game or generally, because this thing is getting shredded apart. We're in a world in college basketball where everybody's making threes these days. I mean, Hunter uh, Tyson last night, another example of it. It's not just these guards. It's these stretch fours and centers. and Everybody's making threes these days, right? It's no longer the effective weapon against what the, the sport is today. It can be at times. When you get that draw in the NCAA tournament and Montana's like, whoa, what the hell is this? But there's still four months of a season to be played where, especially in the ACC, everybody's like, oh, yeah, that thing? Like, name me a coach, name me a player, name me a scenario that you've come across lately where people have just been so befuddled by it that it has gained that advantage. You can tell me in the 2021 NCAA tournament that even West Virginia, that was somewhat familiar with it, Couldn't handle it in that short two-game and three-day turnaround. Okay, that's great, but you have to get to the tournament for that to be effective, and we are about to see back-to-back seasons, not only without the NCAA tournament, but potentially without the postseason at all. Jim Boeheim has talked often. He said it in the press conference last night, and we will talk about it and listen back to the clips coming up here about how we knew this was going to be a young team. We knew this, right? I've heard so much. Well, we knew this is what it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. So why did you put a strategy out there that did not fit the personnel that you have? For the most part, there are some guys that should be good in his own and have been good in his own. I'm not saying this is everybody top to bottom, but as a collective, I mean, this thing ain't working. 28 games into the season, and that thing got torn apart. And Duke had 13 three-pointers the other night. Duke, who had not hit threes all year in any sort of – of consistent rate. This whole kind of daria to keep making threes thing um, 
I got news for you. People are taking the dare and they're winning. So that's kind of the helpless feeling you have as a Syracuse fan right now. I mean, my timeline was flooded with it last night. It's been flooded with it all year. But on February 23rd, like, it actually would not be a strategic advantage for Syracuse to come out against Pitt and play exclusively man-to-man or press more. Or It's too late. That's the helpless feeling. You just kind of cry out in terror, like, what are we going to do? There's nothing you can do now. But there is something you can do about it in the future. And whether that future includes Jim Beheim or not, I mean, that's a discussion people have been having left, right, up, and down uh, throughout this thing. But whoever it is that's running this thing next year, and if, in fact, it is Jerry McNamara or Coach Autry, whenever that is in the future, it is my fervent hope that they are not just so dedicated to the zone that nothing else matters. And if you're going to be, then you got to bring in the right personnel to run it. Maybe in two or three years, this team will be good at it. But especially in the day and age of college basketball, Jim Beheim himself saying today on Orange Nation about who knows who's coming back on a roster. Nobody has any ideas. I mean, there's guys that will test the water. There's guys that will think about transferring because you can. Um, We've had seven or eight people contact us already about transferring here. It's that's the that's the reality of what is going on. That's that's college basketball. So, you know, I think we have guys that should stay that are good players that can get better, but it's you, you just never know how people are gonna react at the end of the year and what they're gonna see is the possibilities for their future. I'll tell you one more clip here about the constant turnstile that spins in college hoops these days. The bottom line is we're not happy with where we are. We've had back-to-back years before where we were in the NIT or not, and we expected this with this team this year. And, uh, you know, uh, these guys are all getting better. In, but the, in today's basketball world, you know, you'd have no idea who's coming back. You could have everybody back. You could have lose two, three, or four guys. And, uh, you know, the experience that they're getting wouldn't help. So tell me why the zone defense is still your best strategy in a world where a roster turns over as much as it does. And it takes at least a year. I've talked to so many players that have said this. It takes a year to settle in. So how does that make sense to be your base defense when the personnel turns over at an accelerated pace in the sport and is often young? Now, if you get a few experienced guys, the right combination of players that could do it, the length, the experience, maybe they know it. Okay, we got something here. It still should be an option. It just can't be the only option anymore. And I know many of you are like, hey, welcome to the party on this, Brent. But look, I was a fan of it for a long time. I thought it gave you a strategic advantage. I really did. But I cannot feel that way anymore. I still think it's got to be in your back pocket. I still think it's something that you should in that you should put out there when it you feel like it gains you an advantage against a certain team or a certain matchup or like I said in the tournament or things of that nature. But for it to be no, that's our defense and that's what we do. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Game in and game out. Nobody's afraid of it anymore. 
Nobody's befuddled by it anymore. People have it figured out to AT, and they're taking advantage of it. I mean, Clemson last night, Syracuse fell right into their hands. They're hitting a bunch of threes. So then you got to push the defense out, and then you're just taking advantage of, of the gaps in the zone and, and having yourself a field day. Is it the players or is it the zone? It's the fact you're making the players play the zone. That's the problem. And on that note, we break. Your phone call's coming up at 437-7644. As I said at the beginning, it's not just the zone, right? There's other issues here for sure, but that's the one people kind of circle back to, and I think for good reason. Most points you've given up all year in Game 28. First time you've given up back-to-back losses of 18 or more points since the late 1960s. There's something that that all centers back to. Your reaction coming up. Let us uh, see what happened on the markets today. Our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin & Company is here to do that on this Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good, thanks, Brent. And I hope we get a little better reaction to the market today than to Syracuse's play in the zone last night. But we did have a dip in her day, but we had a nice strong close, and the S&P was up about a half a percent for the day, second consecutive gain. And we had a nice diamond. Chipmaker NVIDIA surged 14%. They had better than expected earnings last night. Strength in artificial intelligence and better than expected gaming chips led to a great quarter for NVIDIA, so a nice gain there. Our dog is Domino's Pizza. Apparently we weren't eating enough pizzas over the Super Bowl weekend, <laughs> but they had disappointing earnings. Actually, one of their worst days in over 10 years. The stock was down 11%. They cited uh, inflation fears, trouble with delivery people, not enough workers out there, and kind of a trend's going post-COVID. People are getting back out and eating in restaurants and not ordering in as much, so they really benefited from that during the COVID years. So overall, a pretty good day, Brent, and let's hope Syracuse does a little bit better in Pittsburgh on Saturday. There you go, Mike. Uh, they're not going to let Beheim forget what he said a couple weeks ago. I'm telling you, it's going to be a crazy environment at the Oakland Zoo on Saturday. It always is, but a little extra juice on that one. We will hit the phones when we come back, 437-7644. Hit us in the chat at QSportsTalk.com as well. Don't go anywhere. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Presented by Best Buy Auto Sales. Great to have you here tonight, friends. And you've uh, picked a good time to come on by. You know, when we uh, started doing this little segment, which was actually this year, it was after an exhibition basketball game. The the inspiration for the dramatic reading of your tweets. Should it uh, happen to occur here shortly? And the phantom arrives as I anticipate. I feel his presence lurking in the hallways here at Galaxy Media. Began with the overreaction from an exhibition game earlier this season. And I said, don't make me do a dramatic reading of your tweets based on what happened in an exhibition game. Here we are months later, 
28 games into the season, and the tone of the tweets has not changed much. So, as I've said, I do not decide when we do a dramatic reading of your tweets. You decide when we do a dramatic reading of your tweets, and you have decided it is time to do a dramatic reading of your tweets. At M.D. Fisher. Total disarray. At TPQ1382. Been a lot of, thankfully, this one's over recently. This is not the program I grew up watching. For the first 35 years of my life, At yard 1906, this program was destroyed the moment the JB Family Invitational started. Someone's key card needs to be deactivated. At Scott Reef 1. A second straight blowout loss. Judah Mintz is showing NBA scouts he can shoot the three. A truly terrible night for the future of Syracuse basketball. Basketball. Emoji. At John Templon. And people wondered why Syracuse wasn't in anyone's NIT projections. <laughs> the NIT. There were not in any NIT projections, right? That that's okay. At Key Freely. The most frustrating part is as much it's hurting now. This is going to hurt more in the future. When we lose players to the portal. And all future recruits because of this. At Andrew Temoy, I am Finally get off a night from refing high school basketball. And this, this is what I have to watch. Embarrassing. And if AD doesn't see it in time for him to go. So sad. But this has become at Syracuse Sports Online. Jim is hemorrhaging credibility. At DL Book. Been saying this forever. He's famous for this zone. We get it. But it's okay to switch. 
when it's not working. Since middle school, I have been tired of the eighth man of the bench setting a career high because they are constantly wide open. Three. Since middle school, at G-Dub A-T-X, Brent, I have been supporting this team since Chris Mullen and Bill Wennington used to visit the Dome. I am so over what I am seeing out there. Hope and pray. Opposing teams' wide-open threes don't land is not a defensive strategy. This program needs an overhaul. At Keen Bill, average shooting teams have been torching the orange zone most of this year. This and Duke. Blowouts. Not a good trend for SU. B. Dash ball. At Q Soccer 2-3, every team seems to get a season high in assists against this team. They lick their chops when they see the Qs is coming. At T.L. Rigo S.U., are we sure the Mandalorian isn't streaming tonight? At Corey Sullivan, at least we'll have something to look forward to this March. This is the way. At Jellio Wells. Maybe it's the zone, hmm? At T.W. White, 95% of fans want SU to stick with the zone. Working just fine! At Elizabeth Young, coach, I love you. But I'm begging for us to try something else. The zone ain't working. At Sophie Susie, apparently our zone defense isn't cutting it. At Pops Nelson, please, please, hard-hitting questions about the zone. No longer a good decision. And if these poor performances are showing a weakness in coaching. At Mr. Clean 7-1, can't make threes. Definitely can't defend threes. At Beef 1-3-1, somehow... This will be the forward's fault at S. Marcus, 1958. When was the last time the zone, the zone, the zone, the zone? All I hear is the zone, the zone, the zone. The zone. The zone. The zone. The zone. The zone. 